What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Uh, you might hear Sweet Pete in the background. He's um, rubbing his back on the couch and being a wild dog. Uh, hopefully he'll snort or something. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we have Miss Stephanie Buer on this episode. We had uh, we had tried to hook up before to to record something, as is common with most of the guests, and uh, we finally got one done. So uh, we have the five year podcast anniversary show coming up at the Daniel Rolnick Gallery in Santa Monica, California. It's going to be on November seventh, and Basically, it's going to be all the artists who have been on the show or a selection of the artists who have been on the show since the last podcast group show that we did at the Hellion Gallery in Portland. Um, If any of you remember seeing that, we're basically doing the same thing, but with a brand new batch of artists. So uh, if you are in the L.A. area, hopefully you can come and check it out. There's going to be a ton of rad art from some pretty amazing artists, uh, in my opinion. Uh, producer Lex and I will be there recording some podcasts with you. If you come out to the show, you can sit down with us and do like a little mini interview. We're going to be chatting with people at the show. Uh, we'll be getting drunk, um, and having fun and celebrating the five year anniversary. So if you follow me on Instagram, you'll be able to, uh, get all the information about that or, uh, go to MikeMaxwell.com, click on the podcast and uh, do all the normal stuff over there to get the episodes like you have done to listen to this one. Make sure you follow Stephanie over at Stephanie underscore Buer, B-U-E-R, on the Instagrams. And uh, let's just jump right into this thing and give Stephanie a call, yeah? All right, let's do this. Hi, Stephanie. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? So I, I, I have your name as Buer. In mm-hmm. did I get it right? Yeah. My yeah. I I had it was either that or like Bauer, like like ultra German like enunciation, but there would have to be a, an A in there somewhere. Yeah, there is a B A U E R, but it's just Buer. <laughs> is it a is it a German last name? Uh huh. Nice. Pretty sure. Yeah. We're all from so many places that, like, we attach ourselves to one particular part of our name sometimes. Yeah. And it, I, I was just mentioning uh, how, like, last names change so often. Like, but we feel like we have this long lineage attached to one particular name. Yeah, I'm a mutt. I, that's what I call myself. Everybody is. <laughs> Everybody is. <laughs> so, um, first, I want to thank you for, for taking the time to talk with me. And, uh,. Mm-hmm. You and I met, I guess, probably almost three years ago now because wow. it was in Portland um, and I was doing the podcast group show there. Mm-hmm. And we're I actually remember. coming up on the five-year anniversary. We're going to do another one in Santa Monica. Awesome. Yeah, next month. So um, it's been cool to get to see your work over the last like three years. Um, Thank you. But maybe we could jump back, I guess... Uh, did you grow up in you grew up in Detroit or I I lived in Detroit for ten years, but I grew up in the country in Michigan. What uh what did your folks do? Were were you on a farm? Was it that rural type of living? No, we lived in a really small town in the country. My dad drills wells for water. 
and he would drill for farmers and stuff and I don't know whatnot. And my mom was just a mom. Yeah, well, that's a <laughs> very important job. Um, that that's kind of interesting because I I had wrote down something about how I feel about maybe you what I know of you as a person from the internet and from our short meeting um you seem to have a self-reliance aspect to maybe the things that you make or maybe your personality um there's I could a, see that there's something interesting about the idea of being able to drill your own well to obtain water, that, and that's something that maybe not a lot of people even have any idea how to do, right? I, 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 yeah. I don't, I guess. I'll admit it. I don't. <laughs> I don't really either, but, yeah, we most people live in areas where you don't do that anymore. Just turn on the tap and city water and whatnot. But. It's insane, the the – the way we're reliant on a whole set of systems mm-hmm. that just one little minor fail could like really set off a catastrophe. Yeah. They talk about that a lot out here actually. Cause um, everyone talks about the giant earthquake that's coming. Oh, I didn't even want to bring it up. Or do people talk about it? You're, you're, yeah, in, they po- do. you're in Portland now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then I'm like, well, my dad would know what to do. <laughs> So maybe we could I, maybe for people who don't know, could, do you, can you give us the rundown on the earthquake possibilities in the Upper Pacific Northwest? Um, I am from Michigan, so I'm not like really smart when it comes to those things. I don't. I mean, the most we get there is a blizzard, so this is all <laughs> new to me. Um, I know how to drive in the snow, but I don't really know what on earth I would do if there's an earthquake. But supposedly there's going to be a really big one within the next, like, 300 years or something. So they're like, it could be now or in 300 years. Yeah, it's one of those, like, predictions where it's like, oh, it should have happened 1,000 years ago or 500 years ago. I I always kind of question those types of statistics as being a little, like, Nostradamus-y. Yeah, and then if it does come, they all say it's so big that we would probably just die anyway, so what's the big deal? <laughs> yeah. So the prediction is, the, or like this total catastrophic, like apocalyptic prediction is that like the upper northwest would break off of the United States and, you know, float into the ocean or however the fuck that would work. But yeah, there's, maybe. There's, uh, you know, there's some serious tectonic plate mm-hmm. uh, action taking place is that I, that sounds scientific yeah i think that's what it is yeah i feel i'm here in san diego and we sit like in the perfect place away from all of the like major tectonic movement and on the fault mm-hmm. lines anyway i guess that's what it is it's a fault line right yeah now. but who knows it's like there i watched this guy uh called the suspicious observer on <laughs> youtube <laughs> And this guy, he watches the sun every day and, like, all of the, like, the different, uh, like, readings that come off of, like, the CMEs and the electromagnetic waves. And it it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh Uh-huh. But he he has, like, he watches all the weather, too, and predicts the weather and earthquakes based on the information that's coming from the readings from the sun. Weird. You know, like, the sun, like, shoots shit at us every day. Mm -hmm. And... Apparently, our electromagnetic uh, shield has been weakening over time. 
So more and more of the sun's like radiations and things get through and, you know, add it to all the shit that we've done to the environment as well. And so he actually starts predicting like when earthquakes will happen uh-huh. uh, based on all this shit. And from I, I can't say if he's accurate or not, but he seems to be able to pick a range when things and you know i don't know if that's from being able to watch it every day like you watch every earthquake that happens every day like i'll take all the lists and you could sort of maybe predict yeah but i don't know um it's a lot to worry about i choose just not to think (laughs) i'll I'll be as responsible as i can but i could spend my whole life worrying about that stuff (laughs) No, I know. And I actually really thought about that because I wanted to take another trip up and I was just like, the thought just pops in your head. Yeah. Just don't camp on the beach. (laughs) That's what they say. (laughs) Yeah. Like super tsunami, like 300 foot wave of some ridiculous nature. I don't know. It seems kind of too apocalyptic. Yeah. You should still come. (laughs) No, I I for sure will. When did you get into the city? Was was art like an early career path for you? Did you go to school for art? I did go to school for art. Um, I didn't necessarily want to be an artist when I was little. I wanted to be a ballerina. Do you still yeah. want to be a ballerina? No. <laughs> 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 I didn't really. Um, I grew up in a very practical family. So being an artist wasn't something that was promoted. Right. You know, but I and then when I I took some art classes in high school and that's very loosely, there were like, you know, poster paints and. Yeah, sure. Yes. And um, my teacher, she told me I was too detail oriented and not creative enough to be an artist. So I actually went to school to be a art restorer at community college. Uh huh. Which is kind of interesting. I see how that could relate to some of the images yeah, that you make now. Yeah, I would, I would just sit for hours and hours, and I would get nowhere because I was so um, detail oriented. But and that's I, something that I want to ask you about your work too. Like, uh, like making a realistic piece seems so ultra detail oriented that I think for a lot of people it's so mind boggling to to find all those minute details that it takes to create something in that detail? Yeah, a lot of people ask, um, they're like, oh, I could never do that. I'm not, you know, talented enough, but I don't even know that it's the drawing talent. I think you have to have, like, a perfect storm of the patience and being able to do monotonous activity. (laughs) (laughs) That's definitely key. So I'm like, no, you could totally do it, but you just might not be great at sitting still for hours on end, which is cool. (laughs) Yeah, I think most people aren't. And that's I think there's an interesting dichotomy there, too, because, I, you know, I, I know that you like to hike a lot. You're out in nature and moving around, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. putting strain on your body, like getting out there and like doing things that not a lot of people are doing. Um, that's sort of a very fu- like drastic difference from sitting at a desk and barely moving your body, only like moving your wrist yeah. and your hand for <laughs> however many hours a day. Maybe that's how I deal with it. I like change. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm, I'm wondering. Do, do you need that? Like, and I'm finding it as I start to get older, like like sitting in a chair for eight hours a day is really like wearing on the body. In, yeah. In those, I think you do lots of, like, jujitsu stuff, yeah, right? I, yeah, I exercise. Do you stay active? Yeah. I have to. If I didn't, I would. it would be really bad. 
Oh my god, I'd go insane. <laughs> yeah, I I would too. And even just <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> I I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life. Mhm. But still like all like the creaks and cracks of Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. how where do you think that patience comes from? Is it just something innate or is it a, a you know, something that you learned? Is it something that you taught yourself over time? I think it's just innate. I don't think I taught myself it. It's just something I was born with. And I have a lot. I And I've also found I have a lot of patience with activities and tasks, but not often with people. So <laughs> it's not all the way around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think sometimes like for a lot of people, it's that drive too, like how you get past the like the the monotonous part of things like to be able to like push through i think there's a mm -hmm. perseverance maybe even yeah or i i enjoy it so maybe it's just weird personalities yeah I, right right you know i think it it's soothing for a lot of people yeah it's like meditating i mm -hmm. like it a lot the, it's it's quieting of the mind but you still are thinking, I think. Like, mm -hmm. And that's, I think, a weird difference between the meditative state maybe in like, uh, like maybe like a yoga practice or some, or, or even just a meditation practice, like mm -hmm. sitting and being quiet. But I think well, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. But I think the heavy focus. I guess people who would do a mantra have a similar a similar thing because there's a, a, a focus point. Yeah, it's a lot like hiking. It's meditating for busy bodies. So you can, like, be still, but still be doing something. That's what I like. How, so how did you get into doing the hiking? Because like, it seems like you're in some pretty, uh, like, gnarly terrains. Is that is that an accurate description? <laughs> yeah. Well, I've always been outdoorsy. My family owns property in northern Michigan. And my dad hunts. He used to, like shoot deer that's what we would eat and I'd go out with him so I've been in the outdoors my whole life and I started I visited the mountains for the first time when I was in maybe like just out of high school and so then when I moved out here I just kind of went crazy so I think for a lot of people there's uh again like an inherent risk in the outdoors I think we're now at a stage in like human evolution where like just being in open outdoors, there's a mm -hmm. fearfulness for people. Mm -hmm. Is is that something that gets that you let go of? Do you feel that when you're out? Like there's almost a vulnerability. Yeah, there definitely is, and that's kind of what I like about it because people used to be this is super cheesy, but people used to be more connected to the outdoors. You know, it was they were part of it, and we've become so removed that when you get out there. In your day-to-day, -day, you never feel tiny or vulnerable. I mean, besides maybe, like, in social, I don't know what I'm trying to... But, but not, yeah, not in, like, the animal way. Yeah, like, in an animalistic type of way. You get out there, and you're like, wow, I could die. You know, things could kill me. I could fall. You're hyper-aware, very present. It's a different... It's a really cool feeling that you don't get in your day-to-day. -day. So, yeah, it can be scary, and I like, I like being scared. I like doing things that scare me, and having that feeling again because you don't get that yeah i agree in and, town and that's you know when you hear people go on like just a camping adventure or something you realize mm -hmm. that like it's that thing that, like most people would be bored just sitting around in one place you know like 
in an area for multiple days. But the fact that we sort of miss out on that stuff now, I think like mm-hmm. it's like telling our brain or our body or whatever that like, oh, here's the thing that you're you're missing out on. Of course, you know, all the technology and everything is great, too. But yeah, it's a balance. Yeah. But yeah, I really love I love being outdoors. That's and, a, yeah. I, I wrote down Adventure Time on my little note sheet. <laughs> uh-huh. And I kind of see that in your work. Uh, it seems like you, for people who don't know you, you'll paint, um, hyper photorealistic, uh, like dilapidated scenes of like sort of man and nature together. There's a lot of, um, graffiti elements that show up. Like it's, it's almost like you went on a hike in like postmodern nature, (laughs) like when nature is taken over like an area and are sort of, um, uh, like historically documenting it to a certain extent, but I I see like I I almost picture like an adventure from leaving home to finding like the images that show up. In yeah, your work. that's kind of exactly what happens. I moved to Detroit to go to school, and I got so homesick for like those open spaces that I just would start walking in kind of like it's it is like hiking, but in the city a little different. But not too different. Still kind of dangerous too, right? Oh, for sure. Different. <laughs> I would, you know, in some cases, I would rather be out in the mountains with those bears and cliffs than in some of the places I find myself in cities. Yeah, I know. Sometimes bears will get scared <laughs> and run away if they're not starving. Yeah, they're more predictable than <laughs> yeah. people. Yeah. No shit, man. Especially, <laughs> especially a place like that. Yeah. Um, people are crazy. Do you feel like? Do you feel like acting like do you, you know, it's funny that you you mentioned like preserving paintings before like do you feel like you're preserving these moments in times that are going to be gone soon like I feel like we're hitting a point right where like yeah. these old buildings are dying Yeah I didn't really think about that when I started working on these t- types of landscapes and then every once in a while I'd um Someone would be like, oh, I got that painting or a print of that painting. And they're like, I'm so glad because that building is gone. And then I was like, yeah, that's kind of cool because it will not. And even if it's not gone, it'll never look like it did the day I visited it because those areas are in such flux. So it's kind of cool to record them in such a like a a pedestal type of um, manner, you know, like oil painting of that place i feel like it's kind of cool yeah it's almost like a deathbed respect i kind of like get the feeling yeah like a portrait or something Uh uh-huh and you know and then not only that but you're also i think it's there's another interesting dichotomy there like preserving what the building looked like but Mm -hmm. also the preservation of works of graffiti that happen in the street that are almost always temporary like there's yeah very temporary yeah, I like I like that about it too. Right, but sometimes do you feel like that? Like you're recording that stuff? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to think of it that way. I also, I mean, there's a lot that the reason I love working in this way is because there's a lot of layers to it. So I can get psyched about you know uh, preserving, you know, putting you know saving this bit of history, but it's also a cool way to look at how we use land and how we use resources i don't know i feel like i could dive in it are in you all kinds of ways are you still um working 
in that sort of manner now? Do you feel like you've made any shifts? You know, like that's, I feel like you've been doing that stuff over the past few years. Is there any new shifts that you're making in, in the stuff no, today? Nothing too, nothing too big. I'm still really loving it, loving getting out exploring. Lately, I feel like I've been spending a lot of time looking at landscapes, um, less dilapidated, less graffiti, but I'm really loving those. Like you come on like a, like an airport or an industrial park, and you're like, what kind of landscape is this? You know, it's just so ugly, but I love it. <laughs> and that's it's that's rad that you say that because I I just, I've been talking a lot about like like portraying the ugly as something more beautiful than it is sometimes. And it's funny too when you make it look beautiful, and then you're like, but wait, it's, this is where we live. We've created these really ugly, awful, lifeless places for ourselves to live in. It's kind of funny for me to me to go and paint them. I and that's I was my point the other day was like or maybe it was yesterday was that like writing graffiti on things like that uh-huh. is like an important fuck you to the nature of how things have become. Yeah. Like like to fight back like to know like it's almost like we know like all this shit has to happen like the way it's happening to a certain extent. But we all know it's kind of, it's not quite, it's kind of, it's pretty fucked up. Yeah. It's not a great way to live. No, it seems like we got to, we just keep (laughs) doubling so much, growing exponentially that we're forced to make new choices. Yeah. And that's why I like going outside so much because you go out there and you look in the countryside or in the mountains and you see how, oh, this is what the world, it looks great like this, you know, it's beautiful. I connect with it. And then you go back into towns and suburbs and you're like god this is ugly <laughs> you know I live in and, and why i don't know <laughs> yeah it's i think it's the it's the comfort it's the mm-hmm. fear it's of not easy. being comfortable yeah yeah so i like i've been looking at some of those landscapes but i still love i can't i keep telling myself i'm gonna go get out of detroit because my family's all still there so i go there all the time and photograph but I just can't seem to pull myself away from that city. Yeah. It's really it, beautiful. It's interesting how certain places in the world can have, like, a magnetic pull, right? Yeah. I think it's because I lived there for so long, and it was in, like, that transition period when you're not a kid anymore, and you're becoming an adult and uh-huh. finding what you love. So, I don't know. I just love that place. I was asking everybody this past weekend. I, I was at a show. I just mm-hmm. was asking random strangers how old they were in your head. How old are like so? How old are you in your head? Oh God, I'd say maybe twenty-eight. Twenty-eight, <laughs> okay. I, I think the range, the average, was between uh-huh. thirteen and sixteen. <laughs> I was such a fool when I was like a child. Of course, people. <laughs> most of the people were drinking, so maybe that has uh, some. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just on coffee and breakfast, so I'm very practical. I yeah. feel about t- twenty-six to twenty-eight. <laughs> See, yeah, there you go. You can, uh, I think uh, I think eighteen was about the range for me, somewhere. Oh there. yeah. Oh, sorry. This is a train. You're right on the train yard, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I remember you um, interviewed AJ, who's right next door. Yeah. I remember that, and the train was just insane. Nonstop. They just kept going back and forth. The fuck. Yeah, but you guys had the garage door open. I have it closed. Yeah. So. Oh, uh, so you're you're in that same building then? Yep, I'm right next door to AJ. I actually um. We got, there used to be a wood shop next door to him. I don't know if you remember, but um, Souther Salazar and his wife, Monica, 
they rented that space and uh, invited some friends to come join them. So there's like five or six of us in here. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really fun. So you're able to get in almost every day? Yep. Put in the grind? It's fantastic. It's been kind of a slow summer. I accidentally overbooked last year, so I haven't been like pulling any super long days, but I'm in every day. Yeah, good. And that, that happens, right? Like... Yeah, I don't know how it happened. I thought I was pretty smart, but it turns out I wasn't. Yeah, it's well. There's like no way to predict. Like we, you know how your work, ta- how long your work takes. Uh huh. But sometimes it takes longer out of nowhere. You're like, this was supposed to be done by now. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. You can't predict for the like six hours that you have to just sit there and stare at it. Yeah. Like no. <laughs> can't there's no way uh i saw you were uh you were foraging too i so i've been into i'm really interested in this idea of self-preservation obviously. oh yeah and i've been wanting to try to figure out like I've, I've asked a few people i found one person that could possibly be a guide to mm-hmm. like really fi- finding local foods just yeah. foraging. not like foraging from people's fucking backyard trees but like things in nature yeah. that are growing <laughs> in yeah. nature which mm-hmm. In a, in a place like San Diego, there's quite a bit, um, especially coastlines. Coastlines have a ton of naturally yeah. grown food. Um, mm-hmm. Is that something that you're interested in? I know, I think you just posted something about berries on a trail somewhere. Oh, yeah. In the, like, August and September, I, well, I go climbing a lot all summer long, but that's when the huckleberries come out. Oh, sounds Man, so good. Man, they're so good. Yeah, I would like to get better at it. I recently learned how to find some mushrooms mm-hmm. i can find chanterelles and morels and uh yeah a lot of berries I, f- I used to fish a lot when i was younger i'd like to i think it would just be really cool to go out in the back country for like i don't know a week two weeks maybe bring some rice or something but just uh eat there's so many berries out here and you can fish and and edible like leaf ve- yep, leafy you- vegetables uh-huh yeah i would love to get better at that i'm not great I do. I like fishing. All right, it gets a little boring. <laughs> I'm sure you're patient and can do it. <laughs> I think more than most, but I like pike fishing. That's exciting. Pike. Is the pike? No, I'm trying to think of what the pike looks like. And it kind of looks a little like bit a big like underbite. A, yes, and yeah. they have sharp teeth and they're yeah. very aggressive. Yeah, they're big too, right? They can get really big. I think I caught one that was maybe 30 inches once. And yeah. do you, um, so I, I know a lot of people have a hard time taking animals' lives that they're going to eat. Mm-hmm. It, do you find, uh, trouble in, in that? You know, I, I do actually. I don't, I love animals. I was just thinking about this when I was walking to the studio. I think a world without animals, with pet, without pets, whatever, would be such an awful place. Yeah. I don't know. I think random things when I walk to the studio, but <laughs> yeah. that was one of <laughs> I was thinking, because, oh, I had gone to the doctor, and she said I had to get, I should get rid of my cat, because I'm allergic to cats, and she's like, it's just causing inflammation in your life, and I'm like, I'm not getting rid of my cat, are you crazy? Yeah, that's that's insanity. (laughs) You gotta have pets. That's a, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. But, so when I was little, this is a, a random story that will come to a point, but my dad always hunted. He killed deer, bear, you know turkey, everything. And I used to love to go out with him. And uh, I wasn't old enough to shoot or I had no interest. So he would put these blinds on our property in different places. And he would drive out in the evening and he'd leave me up in a tree with a video camera 
and then he would go to his blind, and I would sit there with a video camera and videotape for hours and hours. I would lay up there and videotape everything that went by, and then when it got dark, I would just curl up in a ball and sleep up in this tree stand. And so that he could see what was going on in both, but I just, I would watch these deer, and I knew they were tasty, and I loved eating them, but there was something, and then once they were dead, I would help them gut them and dress them and everything, but it was that, in between, I always had a hard time with that. Yeah. I don't mind, I don't mind it at all, I understand it, and yeah. I, and I know if it's done responsibly, that hunters sometimes make some of the best, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, con conservationist yeah. yeah yeah totally i say that all the time too yeah but so even then I, it's like you still there's like a moment that mm-hmm. is there that i think sometimes just gets i know so for in, so my point is that like i could eat a carne asada burrito and not think twice about the cow yeah right you know as opposed to like being in the direct you know like locking eyes with that cow, yeah. saying like I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat you. Yeah, that's different. <laughs> Have you seen that cowspiracy documentary on Netflix? <laughs> no, dude, it's fucking insane. So it, it actually doesn't really even have that much to do with like the. Obviously, well, it actually it has to do with the agricultural business of mm-hmm. of cows. Yeah, which is yeah. And it turns out, and I, I haven't been able to go double check. You know, like you watch a documentary and you, they tell you all these things and you're like, ah, da, 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 I'll say that thing too. Yeah. But apparently the the pollution that comes from our modern agricultural business mm-hmm. is higher than all of our transportation pollution. Holy cow. Higher. I believe it. It's a pretty nasty industry. We have this uh, crag that we love going to in Oregon called Smith Rock. It's really popular. It's really beautiful. But there's this gorgeous river that runs through it. And they always tell you, don't swim in it. It's just filled with runoff from all the farms around it. Yep, that's one thing. So not only that, but the amount of water it takes to produce livestock. Yeah. You know, they tell us, like, we're so down here in California, it's been a drought, and we're yeah, supposed to, uh, like, all of our lawns are, you know, even though lawns aren't important, but, lo- like, they can't run the sprinklers certain days, and everything's uh-huh. dying, like, all the green stuff is dying. But they don't say anything about the fact that these cow farms are using something like a hundred times more water than. All of us, the entire Holy cow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so. Yeah, I could. I I have no problem eating meat, but if I was to become a vegetarian, it would be for environmental reasons for sure. And that's an angle I never thought. My wife is a vegan. She and she's been vegetarian for thirteen plus years, if not Mm -hmm. more, and recently went vegan. And you know, like I understand the ethical treatment of animals. Like, and it's so like actually grass grass fed cows like pastured cows are actually more harmful to the environment than Uh, the farm fed cows it's a it's a giant mess that's and that's actually what people don't know is the like the brazilian rainforest is being chopped down and everyone's like oh oil and and gas and all these things are horrible which they are yeah they're not beef (laughs) it's to open up pastures for beef yeah and it's basically it's destroying environment and you know like pig farms same thing like all the runoff and all the shit that's produced, like yeah, it's and, and beef isn't even that good for you. It's quite bad for you. Yeah, it's 
I'm gonna. I've I've made a decision, and they like clown on people who are like, "Oh, I'll go vegan for a day. Like that's gonna matter because I'm gonna go eat fucking beef tomorrow or whatever." Yeah. But I feel like even just making a little bit of a concerted effort, like I had never even thought about the environmental angle of the consumption of of meat at at all. Yeah. Really. That's a good. Yeah, I try. I eat vegetarian accidentally most of the time because I'm too lazy. Yeah. And because I, I like to buy things that are um, more responsibly, but that, that's more expensive. So usually yeah. I accidentally eat vegetarian. Well, you know what I've been doing is, like, I've been making a lot of soups and broths. So I'm using, mm-hmm. like, all the parts of the animals that would normally be waste. You're helping, yeah. <laughs> but then, it, like, that's just, like, a justification for, like, just fucking shit up. <laughs> Like it's still the it's still the consumption. So I'm gonna actually make a little bit of a concerted effort to like, and it's funny because I cook vegan dishes all the time for my wife. So there's no real reason why I can't also eat them. It's just I, I'm addicted. Well, my thing is it's like bacon. Like, what would you do if you couldn't eat bacon? Sometimes I know you have some of the best bacon up in the. There's a place yes. in Portland, the the Old Wives' Tale. I've seen it. I can't remember where I've seen it, but I've seen that sign. I've never been. It's the best bacon I've ever had. But there used to be a bar. um, There still is a bar. I haven't been in a while in Detroit called The Bronx. And we used to go there after um, class and play tabletop Pac-Man. And one of the things on the menu is you could just get a giant plate of bacon. That's so good. (laughs) We used to uh, go there all the time. I've been adding pork bellies into a lot of my uh, my diet lately. I have a um, there's a Korean grocery store pretty close to my house, mm-hmm. and they have all like the prime sliced meats just ready to go. It's so good, and it's it's a little bit pricey. Yeah, Korean place, but I think because it's all imported. But now well, now I have to question all of that shit. Yeah, maybe we just won't eat as much of it. Yeah, and then it will even taste better when you do. <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to think that I have that type of brain that could do something like that. But I, it's always, like, just, like, pleasure center, like, bring it. I used to, I think I, when I was little, I always think of this, um, I would, we would eat Lucky Charms, my sister and I. And um, my sister would eat all the marshmallows first because they're the best part. And in my brain, I was like, oh, my gosh, if I eat all those yucky brown stars first, I'll have a bowl full of marshmallows. So... I'll be like, you know, I feel like I could, I could make that work. <laughs> I think that's one of those like left brain, right brain things. Like, yeah. I, oh shit! I don't remember what. Damn, I forget <laughs> the movie. Oh damn, it's gonna kill me that I don't remember what it came from. But there's a scene in something where uh, she, where a, a lady asks a man or vice versa which hand they clip their nails on first. Mm-hmm. Whether you clip the left hand first or the right hand first, does that sound? Yeah. Fam- Do you remember what? It doesn't sound familiar, but now I'm like trying to re- figure out what I. <laughs> so I feel like you would do the hard hand first, and then like the your opposite of your your normal hand. Yeah. <laughs> where the people who would eat the marshmallows first would do the opposite <laughs> hand, would use their yeah, dominant get- hand first. <laughs> get the hard stuff out of the way. You know, sharing trail mix with her was the worst, though, because all the M&Ms would be gone, and I would just have raisins and peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> Rad. All right, maybe that's a good spot to end it on. If you're good about that. Uh. <laughs> trail mix is good. I'm going to go get some right now. 
Yeah, it, it is. If I eat too much of it on the mountains, so I'll, I'll wait till I'm in the mountains and I'm desperate. <laughs> I know. I like laying on the couch sideways and watching bad television and eating Trailmix. <laughs> that sounds lovely. <laughs> it is. All right, well, um, maybe can we send some people to uh, your interweb sites? Uh, you're on the Facebooks and the the Twitters. Are you on the Twitters? I am not on Twitter. None I actually of the don't. Are. I don't have, even have a smartphone. I'm kind of technology um, special. I have this one that I'm on, but I don't use it. All right. I have it, this old uh, thing. Is this by choice? Is this a choice thing? That is yeah. a, a super ancient cell phone. Yeah, I just don't like being connected all the time. It's I find it to be annoying. But I do have Instagram. So I have a iPhone that I just instagram and <laughs> can uh can we tell people where to go to see or at least to go see your work your website uh... i do have a website it's a little old i have to update it but it's just stephaniebuer.com and uh your last name is b-u-e-r yep nice well yeah. i want to thank you again for for taking the time to chat with me it was lovely yeah, to get course. to know you a little bit more yeah, it's good to hear from you again. Let me know when you're in Portland. Yeah, and if for if you got a piece that you have sitting around, if you want to put it in the five-year anniversary show next month, you're more than welcome. No pressure. Thanks. If you yeah. got it wrong, I'll send you an email or a Facebook about it. Um, it's actually Sounds it's good. no the show's November seventh, so it's, it's next month. But you're on the cool. show now, and sh- this will be up before <laughs> then. So. <laughs> Thanks. You fall into the category, the available category. Time. I just made the made the deadline. Made the cut. So um, let's do internet app, and we'll call this a thing. Okay. Yeah, boom. Boom. <laughs> Thank you again. I'll talk to you soon. Yep. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. So that was my chat with Stephanie. She's rad. Um, we got to hang out a little bit, like I said, in Portland, um, and it's good to get to know. She' interesting character. I I, li- I kind of wish I had a little bit of that type of patience and um, the ability to disconnect from the internet. That's the most powerful. I think that's my favorite quality there. Um, so, yeah, we talked about it there at the end. If you guys want to – if you're in the Santa Monica, Los Angeles, greater Los Angeles area, November 7th, uh, it's a Saturday, we will be at the Daniel Rolnick Gallery um celebrating the five-year anniversary of the podcast uh producer lex will be in the house i think we're going to set up a recording so if you guys want to come out and maybe we'll do uh, a little bonus episode from the show um talking to guests and people who come out uh if you guys want to donate to the podcast it would be much appreciated you could do that. Uh, go to mikemaxwellart.com, click on the podcast. There is a link to PayPal, and you could do it. You don't have to have PayPal to to donate. You can just use your credit card or whatever. Um, thanks for listening, and I will talk to you guys soon. Okay, bye. We had five years left to sire. New Sky wept when he told us Earth was really dying. Cried so much that his face was wet. Then I knew he was not lying. And I heard telephones.